1: One semester of law school. One semester of criminal justice. Two experts.
0: I'm Kristen Pitts. I'm Brandi Egan. Let's go to court. On this episode, I'll talk about a fast food strip search, and I'll be talking about sleepwalking.
1: Ooh! Ooh! I think I know your case, Uh, but just like bits and pieces of it. I don't. I don't know a lot of the details, but my case is so good. Yeah, if it's what I'm thinking of, it's crazy. It has to be what you're thinking of. I'm sure. Okay. Does it involve a phone call? Oh, yes. Okay, it's definitely the case (laughs) that I'm thinking of.
0: All right, here we go. Make sure we're all turned on.
1: Okay. I mean, like the microphone.
0: Whoa! (laughs) You're (laughs) going to want to be fully erect for this case. (laughs) First, I have to start off by saying... That like two weeks ago, three weeks ago, I don't even know when I was like. Turns out I'm doing like a Boston mm-hmm. case streak, and then I realized you did two Boston oopsies, cases. One, yeah, the third was just Massachusetts in general. Where are we this week? Uh, Kentucky. So. <laughs> <laughs> turns so what out, you're saying is you lied
1: to us? Yeah. It turns
0: out I do not have the stamina to do just a spree all in one city. Excellent. I got distracted. Okay. By nudity. my nudity. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Also, big shout out to Andrew Wolfson for The Courier Journal. His article, A Hoax Most Cruel, was super helpful. Then I went through, and over the years, he's just stuck with this thing. Oh, that's awesome. Every time there's an update, that dude is writing for The Courier Journal about it. Awesome. So, big thank you to him. It was April 9th, 2004, at a McDonald's in Mount Washington, Kentucky. 18-year-old high school senior Louise Ogborn had just finished an afternoon shift when her manager was like, hey, so-and-so can't make it for the evening shift. Can you fill in? And Louise was like, yeah, sure, no problem. So Louise had been working for McDonald's for like four months at this point, and she took the job because her mom had just lost her job. So she's just this high school senior trying to help out her family. Right. Louise got the McDonald's meal, ate her meal, and then just went right back to work. A little while later, someone made a phone call to the McDonald's. Mm -hmm. And assistant manager Donna Summers picked up the phone. Donna Summers? I knew you were going to die. Donna Summers. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) She's fallen on hard (laughs) times. There was a man on the line, and he said, Hey, I'm a police officer. My name is Officer Scott, and I'm investigating a theft that just took place at your McDonald's. By the way, I've got McDonald's Corporate on the line, Mm -hmm. and I've got your store manager, Lisa Siddons, also on the line. Here's the situation. One of your employees stole a customer's purse. And Donna was like, really? What? And he's like, I'm afraid so. So, uh... Help me out here. The person who committed this crime is like a small, young, blonde, white woman. Pretty good looking. (laughs) (laughs) And Donna's like, oh, right. Yeah, that's Louise. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, my gosh. And Officer Scott is like, oh, yeah, great. Thanks so much. Now, now here's the problem. Okay, here's the problem. We're short on officers. So we're going to need you to help us out. Oh, no. What? Brandy, you know how common that is. No, like, the police officers, what they do is they sit at their desk. They outsource and they the like, And they're like, I can't possibly get up right now. <laughs> I need to have the assistant manager of a McDonald's help me with this investigation. Absolutely not. You know how that is.
1: No, That's I
0: do not. That's why you never see police officers out in the wild. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so Donna is like, yeah, absolutely. What do you need? I'll do anything. She calls Louise into the office with her and locks the door. And she's got the phone, and Officer Scott is like, Hey, Donna, could you please explain Louise's choices to her? She basically has two options either get searched right now by your managers in that little McDonald's office, or we can come out and we can arrest you and we'll search you back at the station. Oh what do you gosh. want? Louise was obviously scared and confused. Again, she's just a high school senior. She hadn't stolen anything from anybody and she didn't want to get arrested. So she was like, okay, well, you know, you can search me here. Yeah. So Officer Scott walks Donna through this search and, you know, pat her legs down. Okay, pat her arms down. Okay, tell her to take off her shirt, take off her uh-uh. pants. No. Uh huh. No. He told Donna to get Louise completely naked.
1: Oh, my gosh.
0: And Donna did. Mm -hmm. It was horrible. Louise was scared and embarrassed and traumatized, and her manager was just blindly following orders from a police officer on the phone. Is that, like, in quotes? Oh, the biggest quotes (laughs) ever. Font size 72 on the quotes. (laughs) Donna took all of Louise's clothes along with her keys and her cell phone and all of her other stuff, and took them out of the office. So she's completely naked in this nasty little McDonald's office. Mm -hmm. Pretty soon, assistant manager Kim Dockery arrived. Some sources said that this other assistant manager was in there the whole time, but I saw one of the lawsuits, and it said that she came in later. But at any rate, she comes in, Mm -hmm. she sees what's happening, and she's like, "Whoa, what the fuck is happening right?" So she hands Louise a dirty apron to cover herself uh-huh. and then she left the office and went back to work. None of my business <laughs> McDonald's wasn't going to manage itself, Brandy <laughs> Don't know what's happening there. Don't care to yeah, know i, I uh, yeah, I cannot imagine, but that, yeah. that was her solution. She hands her the dirty Ooh. apron and then was like, well, better move myself along. Uh-huh. So then Officer Scott was like, you know, Donna, you've been great, really gone above and beyond here. But I think we need a male presence in the room. What's that now? Oh, you know how, like, you know how when the police outsource their their jobs, sometimes they just need that strong male presence. Oh, okay. You know how ladies be. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we need a guy in there to supervise this whole thing until police can arrive on the scene. Because we're definitely coming. I'm definitely a real cop. Please don't question anything you're hearing from me. Uh-huh. And Donna was like, sure, no problem. Oh my gosh. She left the office. And
1: what was Louise like?
0: Louise again shaking, traumatized, yeah. scared. I saw some of the surveillance footage. Mm-hmm. I mean, this poor girl, you know, and I mean, goes without saying. The apron
1: it isn't you covering like, enough. No. Yeah. No. Yeah, I've seen Empire Records. I haven't. <laughs> well,
0: two no, percent of have.
1: our listeners will get that reference. Okay.
0: So Donna left the office and grabbed 27-year-old Jason Bradley, the cook.
1: Uh Uh-huh.
0: What? He was the
1: strong male presence that they needed in there.
0: Brandy, you seem to be questioning all of this. I am, in fact. You know what? I hope a police officer doesn't need your help one day. (laughs) Jason came into the office, saw Louise there, naked, covered up in this dirty apron, clearly upset, and he got on the phone with Officer Scott. And Officer Scott started giving him all kinds of instructions. Have Louise drop the apron. Have her do this. Have her do that. But Jason was like, No way, man. He left Good. So he left the office in disgust and he told Donna, That's a bunch of bullshit. Oh my gosh. So he knew right away. Right. Are you ready but to But he didn't the-
1: do anything about uh-huh. it. Uh-huh.
0: Louise later was like, Uh yeah, he didn't he didn't do anything to hurt me. He mm-hmm. didn't traumatize me further, but like he could have, yeah. he could have done more. Instead he just went back to work. Yeah. So what was Donna's reaction to someone hearing that phone call and saying, this is bullshit.
1: She got on the phone and she apologized to the police. <laughs> <laughs>
0: her Her reaction was basically, yeah, like, what's what's wrong with Jason? Yeah. Yeah, like, oh my gosh, we're just doing what the police have asked of oh us. Oh my gosh. So Donna went back on the phone with Officer Scott because she had to do everything herself, obviously. <laughs> and at this point, Officer Scott said, are you married? What? What? No. What's wrong with... He's these- bird dogging for chicas <laughs> while he's in the middle of this... Bird dog. (laughs) So Donna giggled and she said, no, but I'm engaged. And Officer Scott said, do you trust him? What? And she said, yeah, I do. And he said, okay, I'm going to need you to get him to come down to the McDonald's and supervise Louise while you guys wait for all the police officers to arrive.
1: Who are still on their way, we promise. Yeah, I mean, just
0: like super busy ton of paperwork um we'd love to be there we're for sure on our way but mount washington kentucky is just huge and you know it takes like 40 minutes to get across sprawling metropolis yes yeah. <laughs> population 9000 <000. laughs> donna said sure
1: so she calls her fiance and is uh-huh. like i'm going to need you to get down here uh
0: huh yeah
1: i'm on some official police business
0: right like i often am <laughs> yeah <laughs> And he's like, what line of work are you in Yeah, Yeah, so the 43-year-old exterminator, Walter, a.k.a. Wes Nix, walks into the office where he was asked to supervise a naked 18-year-old high school student. Oh, my gosh. Donna left the room. Why? Well, you know, she had work to do, and, you know, they had that male presence in there, so, Mm. you know. Mm -hmm. She hands the phone to Walter on her way out. By this point, this whole thing had been going on for 40 minutes. Louise was sobbing. Okay, there is this like ancient clip of, of like, I think it's 2020 mm-hmm. on YouTube that shows a lot of the surveillance footage. And they interviewed Louise and Donna. And let me tell you, Donna came across as a gigantic ass hat.
1: Really? Yes. Okay. That's so surprising.
0: Um, see, I actually kind of was surprised.
1: You thought Be- she was just genuine and naive? Yeah. Rather than an asshole?
0: Yeah. Uh, that does make sense. Yeah, I really thought, just from reading stuff, I was like, mm-hmm. oh my god, she's just an idiot. And yeah. oh. and we'll get into, like, some yeah. of the later stuff. But for this interview, she's being interviewed by John Quinones. Mm-hmm. He hosts that show, What Would, what you, would do? you Do? What Would You Do? They like
1: tell me, like, I don't know.
0: Yeah. I think that's like porn for judgmental people. Because I'm always like, I would do that. I exact would never right do that. They would have a highlight reel that's just me doing the right thing. So, John Quinones says, You see her face. She's pleading. She's crying. She's bawling her eyes out. Donna. She wasn't crying or bawling her eyes out when I was in there. No. And then they cut to a clip of Louise crying in front of Donna and Donna comforting her and hugging her. Uh Uh-huh. Here's another transcript of the interview. John, you left this middle-aged man with a naked, frightened Donna. She was covered. John, with an apron. Yeah. Donna, she was completely covered.
1: Okay. This is one of those floor-length, like oh, turtleneck aprons, y- oh yeah, with yeah. sleeves and pant legs, <laughs> and completely closes in the back. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
0: she did not come across great. Yeah, at
1: all.
0: it was just Louise and Wes slash Walter alone in the office, and Officer Scott. I'm sorry, is his name Wes or Walter? It's it's annoying because like everyone who knows him calls him Wes. But all the newspaper articles and everything call him uh, Walter. Okay. So, like, I'm trying okay. to, you know, I got it. Yeah,
1: I wasn't trying to be an asshole. I just was trying to clarify. You
0: succeeded
1: <laughs> <laughs> without even trying. <laughs> You're effortless in just that way comes naturally to some people.
0: <laughs> so, Officer Scott started telling West to give Louise orders, and he did. Mm. Lose the apron. Do jumping jacks, oh, god. dance, oh god, yeah. Under the guise of like shaking something loose. Oh, I knew you were going to say that. Oh, oh, <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> okay.
2: I'll
0: I'll get I'll get to it later. How I feel about this West character, but like, come the fuck on. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He ordered Wes to put his fingers into her vagina. <gasps> yeah. Again, under the guise of it's a search. Oh my God. And he did. And then Officer Scott was like, okay, now sit on his lap and kiss him. And at that point, Louise just adamantly refused. Yeah. She also refused to refer to Wes as sir, mm-hmm. which was another thing that the caller demanded. So Officer Scott told Wes to spank her. He hit her for 10 minutes straight and left red welts on her body. Officer Scott said, do as I say, or it'll be even worse next time. Oh, my God. Next time? Oh, yeah. This is going on for a long (sighs) time. Eventually, he told Wes to tell Louise to perform oral sex on him. By that point, Louise was scared for her life, so she did. Oh no! This is yeah. It's so sad. This is terrible. The whole time Louise was in the office, Donna and the other assistant manager, Kim, would period periodically pop in and out, and each time he'd hand Louise the apron to put back on before they came in. But the thing is, in the 2020 clip, there was one where, like, you clearly see Donna comes in. And, like, he tosses her the apron. She doesn't have it on yet, so it's... Mm-hmm. I just... <sighs> anyway. Throughout this whole ordeal, Louise begged for the whole thing to stop. She begged for her clothes back, and no one listened. Sorry, my phone just yeah. went off. get
1: it. Everything okay?
0: Yeah, Um. except when Kyla texts me now, I always assume that she's yeah, having a baby. that she's a having baby. a baby, yeah. It was just... To say she's listening to the episode today and she's enjoying it. Oh, so good. <laughs> Glad to hear it. <laughs> Wes stayed in the office for two hours. And then he left.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So, if you're keeping track, 40 minutes before Wes arrives, Wes is there for two hours. This poor girl. Oh, my gosh. Afterward, he called his best friend and said, I've done something terribly bad. No shit. Yeah. So with Wes gone, Donna was back in control of Louise. But Officer Scott wanted another man alone in the room with her. Luckily, the McDonald's maintenance man, a 58-year-old man named Tom Sims, was at the restaurant. Great. He wasn't working. He just popped in for some dessert. So Donna was like, hey, Tom, I need you to help me out. Tom walked into the office, and he was shocked Mm -hmm. by what he saw. Here was this girl sobbing, trying to cover herself with his apron. And then he's got this dude on the phone saying, get her to drop the apron, then describe her in detail to me. And Tom was like, no, no fucking way.
1: Oh my gosh. Thank goodness.
0: Tom went to Donna and he said, something's not right here. This, this is a hoax. This cannot be real. Yeah. And Donna was like, Whoa! Oh, my gosh, Donna! By this point, Louise had been in the office for nearly three and a half hours. For the first time, Donna started questioning whether this thing was real. Mm. She remembered that at the beginning of the the call, Officer Scott said that her manager, Lisa Siddons, was on the line. Yeah. So Donna grabbed another phone and called Lisa. Lisa picked up. Mm Mm-hmm. She was totally groggy and out of it because she'd been asleep. She obviously had not been on the call. She had no idea what was was happening.
2: Oh, my God.
0: And that's when Donna finally realized, oh, my God, I've been had. Mm Mm-hmm. By that point, the caller hung up. Mm Mm-hmm. Donna immediately started hysterically crying. She begged Louise for forgiveness. Meanwhile, someone dialed star 69... Remember those days? Oh yeah, (laughs) that's okay for for those
1: of you that don't.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's when like you would get a call and you're like, I wonder who called me. I wonder what their number is. Pre caller ID. Yeah, yeah. Dial star sixty nine. You'd call them back. Yes. Yeah. It cost
1: like seventy five cents. Yeah. If you think we were
0: doing that at the Pitts home, you're wrong. I bet
1: DP would be super pissed if you had a bunch of star sixty (laughs) nines on his
0: (laughs) phone bill. They dialed star 69 to get Mm -hmm. the caller's number. Then they called the cops. The real cops. And, Brandy, you're not going to believe it, but they showed up. Uh, Uh, Yeah, yeah. amazing how that works. They were the type of police officers who, like, show up at the scenes (laughs) of crimes. Um, Very, very interesting thing. I think they were, like, piloting that in, Mm in Kentucky at the time. Almost immediately, they arrested Wes for sexual assault. Later that night, when Donna watched the surveillance tape and saw what Wes had done, she called off the engagement. McDonald suspended her, then fired her, because they have a rule that non-employees can't enter the office. That's why they fired her? Uh, do you have a better reason, <laughs> She'd let a non-employee enter the office. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you can't have that. Mm -hmm. That's bad judgment right Mm -hmm. there. (laughs) Yeah, sure is. Then they transferred the other assistant manager, Kim, to another store. Mm. Police watched the surveillance footage and decided that Donna had done more than just listen to someone she shouldn't have listened Uh to. They charged her with unlawful imprisonment. Meanwhile, Louise was a wreck. Yeah. She developed panic attacks, insomnia. She had constant nightmares. She had severe anxiety and depression. She felt that she couldn't trust anyone. Which, who can blame her? No shit. She graduated from high school, but she abandoned her plans to go to the University of Louisville. She'd planned to be pre-med. But she was so full of shame and anxiety that the idea of going off to college was just too much. The police were horrified by this crime. They wanted to hold Wes and Donna responsible for their actions, but that anonymous caller was still out there, and he needed to be caught too. Do you remember any of this stuff now? No. Okay. The, oh, hoo, hoo, hoo.
1: No, I remembered only details about the actual event. Yeah. Like I don't think I even know, have, knew any of the stuff that happened after.
0: Gotcha. So, Buddy Stump... Mm. was the one detective in the Mount Washington Police Department. He'd only been on the job for a few weeks, and he was sitting at home watching the Andy Griffith Show. Did he have one arm? <laughs> <laughs> I think he had them both. Actually, I know he had them both because I saw a picture of him. <laughs> He's kind of a no-nonsense <laughs> uh, type. Uh, okay, Both of his arms mm. squarely on his hips. Excellent. So he'd been at home watching the Andy Griffith Show. Mm. He jokingly called them his training tapes. (laughs) So he gets this call about what happened. He came in, watched the surveillance tape, and he was just furious. Mm -hmm. He said, it burned me up that this had happened to an 18-year-old girl. But he started investigating and quickly realized that the situation was even worse than he'd originally thought. This hoax wasn't unique. Calls like that, had been placed at fast food restaurants and Blockbusters and Ruby Tuesdays and Pizza Huts all over the country for the past 10 years.
1: Oh, my gosh.
0: There were 70 known cases going back to 1995. Wow. Okay, so I'm going to... They're all disgusting. But likely no one took it as far as this one. Right. Yeah. Well... Yeah, this... I mean, I don't think anyone held someone captive for as long, but I'm going to read you just Uh, some details of a few of these. At a Burger King in Dover, Delaware, a manager strip searched an 18-year-old employee, and when the young woman's mom and boyfriend showed up to put a stop to it, the manager fought the mom and boyfriend. It got so bad that the real police showed up. Oh, my god! This manager was just like, I guess they thought they were really doing the police a huge favor and couldn't have any kind of interference. Yeah. At a McDonald's in Hinesville, Georgia, the caller got a 55 year old janitor to put his finger in the vagina of a 19 year old cashier.
2: What the fuck?
0: At a Sonic in Joplin, Missouri the caller convinced a 16-year-old girl to strip search and perform oral sex on a 21-year-old cook. Oh, my gosh. There are so many of these stories. It's nearly impossible to know how many of them there are because a lot of times when people would figure out that they'd been tricked, they were so embarrassed yeah. that they wouldn't call the police. Yeah. But when people did call the police... The police would trace the call back to a payphone somewhere, and it was almost always out of state, and they could never identify the caller. And even if they could, a lot of times police weren't totally sure what they'd charge the guy Mm -hmm. with. In the cases where they did know how they'd charge him, it was usually just a misdemeanor, and you can't extradite someone over a misdemeanor, apparently. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. So Buddy Stump was like, I have to do something. So he traced the call, but it was to a non-existent phone. Mm -hmm. It was made via like a prepaid calling card. Mm -hmm. Buddy was like, oh boy. Then he figured out that the call came from Panama City. He did some digging and found out that the biggest seller of prepaid calling cards in Panama Panama City is Walmart. Mm Mm-hmm. Which seems helpful until you figure out that there are three Walmarts in Panama City. Yeah. And Walmart is like the biggest seller of everything. everything. So, yeah. Uh, like, yeah, I'd call it mildly helpful. So he called police in Panama City to talk about the crime. And another officer there was like, Are you familiar with Detective Sergeant Vic Flaherty? He's a guy in Boston. Who's investigating this caller? Oh wait, this is part of a Boston series. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> so this caller made like four hoax calls to some different Wendy's locations, kind of in and around the Boston uh-huh. area. That was a tough one I, to come up. With. I was trying to say suburbs, but then I was like, uh, bleh, bleh. <laughs> the Boston <laughs> Arena, Boston Arena. So this guy's like, maybe you and Vic should team up. Uh huh. Let's talk about Vic. Let's. Vic was frustrated. Like Buddy, he'd figured out that his caller bought the prepaid calling card, probably at a Walmart in Panama City. He even kind of figured out which Walmart he'd gone to to buy the card. But the thing was, that particular Walmart didn't have surveillance cameras at the registers, mm-hmm. they only had them at the entrances mm-hmm. and exits. I mean it was a dead end. Because yeah. how many people are coming in and out of Walmart? Right. Yeah. But Vic and Buddy started working together and they figured out that for whatever reason, when the caller went to buy the calling card for the Mount Washington hoax, he went to a different Walmart than the one he'd been to before. And thank the Lord, this different Walmart had surveillance oh at gosh. the registers. So they go through the surveillance footage. And that's when they spotted a white man with black hair and glasses between 35 and 40 years old. The man purchased a calling card at 3 02 p.m. on April 9th, 2004, just a few hours Mm -hmm. before the Mount Washington hoax. They were like, Excellent. Yeah. That's our dude. Yeah. Then Vic looked through the entrance and exit footage of the other Walmart where he knew that call had been placed. And they spotted the same guy. hmm He was wearing a black jacket that had white lettering on it.
1: What did it say?
0: It was part of a uniform.
1: <gasps> what kind of uniform?
0: You're not going to like this. Although maybe it's predictable. It was a uniform for an officer of the Corrections Corporation of America. Mm. One of America's private prison companies.
1: Wow.
0: Yeah, just the type of guy you want in charge of people. Yeah, they went to the, lo- the warden of the local prison, showed the warden the surveillance footage, and the warden was like, oh, yeah, that's one of my employees. That's David Stewart. He's one of our guards. Vic immediately went to David. When Vic questioned him, David was like, what? Phone calls? I didn't make any phone calls. Mm, of course. I've never bought a prepaid calling card in my life. <laughs> but as he said that, he was shaking and sweating mm-hmm. profusely. yeah. Vic was like, do you mind if I just look around your house a bit? And David said, sure. And, of course, they found a calling card. It had been used to call nine restaurants in the past year, one of them being a Burger King in Idaho Falls, where a manager was told to do oh awful my things. Oh, gosh. They also found a ton of police department job applications, Police magazines, uniforms, guns, all kinds of Oh my stuff. gosh. Okay.
1: So he was really doing this because he was obsessed with the police? I thought it was like a weird, like fetish
0: thing. Why can't it be both? Uh, are, I guess maybe it you is. You are making so black and white. <laughs> it's one or the other. Why can't he be like super creepy into I'm in a position of authority yeah. and you have no choice but to do what I want you to do?
1: Alright, yeah, you're and right. It's probably uh, both. <laughs> I mean, it is your case, so. Uh
0: (laughs) And by that, you mean intriguing? (laughs) Buddy arrested David on June 30th, 2004. David pled not guilty to solicitation to commit sodomy. By the way, this article kept saying sodomy. And I was like, oh my God, do I not know what sodomy is?
1: The legal definition of sodomy is different than what you think it is. Well,
0: yeah, I I figured (laughs) that out. But like... (laughs) I got to say, Andrew, over the course of time, like, as the years go by, he changes it in his articles to oral sodomy, yes. which, like, yeah, you got to change it, because yeah. I'm sorry, but when when I hear so- the first article... You just
1: think butt stuff, right? Well, yeah, yeah, and
0: I can't remember how he worded it in the first article, but I was just, like, my head was spinning, because he said something like, she performed sodomy, sodomy. on yeah. him, and yeah. I was like... Whoa, like, what?
1: Well, wow, I really have a misunderstanding of the human anatomy. <laughs> I
0: googled sodomy because I was like, well, I th- I'm sure it's anal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it turns out legal definitions don't always. Yeah, yeah okay. different. <laughs> okay, so little lesson for all of us. <laughs> so David pled not guilty to solicitation to commit sodomy and impersonating a police officer. And soliciting sex abuse and unlawful imprisonment. His trial date was set, Mm -hmm. and his brother, a retired police officer, posted his bond. Mm. Mm -hmm. All the while, David maintained that he was the victim here. He had a wife of 11 years, he had five children, he had worked as a mall security guard and a volunteer sheriff's deputy. Is Paul Blart mall cop? Uh, I don't know. Is Paul Blart a sex predator? I, I didn't see the so. movie. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's not. <laughs> I think he's hypoglycemic
1: and has a Loch Ness Monster tattoo.
0: <laughs> Sounds a lot more lighthearted than our buddy David here. He was just a good, hardworking family man. Who loved positions of authority. Hmm. Plus, he couldn't have made all those calls. I think he could have. No, 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 he couldn't have because according to his lawyer, Steve Romines, R-O-M-I-N-E-S, Romines, whatever, David wasn't smart enough to do any of it. Why is that now? Is there any evidence to back that up of any kind? He's, I'm sorry, you know, he, th- this was clearly a criminal mastermind. Who, oh, he did this. okay. He's unfortunately, brings me no pleasure. <laughs> My client's not smart enough to have done any of this. <laughs> Police were like, really? You're not the guy? Because ever since you got arrested, the calls have stopped. Yeah, haven't been getting Completely. Any. By this point, the restaurant industry was like communicating. They were like, yeah, no more calls. Mm-hmm. No more calls. But David's defense attorney was like, no, there have been two of those calls since David was arrested. And they were placed by me. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone was like, really? Where? Yeah. Can you give us more details? Because that's fascinating. And Steve was like, I don't want to say, leave me alone. Shut up. <laughs> And I'm winning. <laughs> so David is slowly rolling toward justice. In the meantime, everyone else involved in all these hoaxes had already gotten theirs. All over the United States, 13 people who were involved in these strip searches were charged with crimes. Mm-hmm. Of the 13, how many do you think were convicted?
1: I think it's probably low. Okay. Five. Five.
0: Okay, that's a good guess. It was seven. Okay. So when people were were acquitted, it was usually because a judge or the jury just felt sorry for them mm-hmm. and was like, you know what? They got duped. Yeah. Everyone said they did what they did because they genuinely believed they were helping the police.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Afterward, they suffered big consequences. A lot of them got fired. A lot of them got divorced. I mean, this really... Yeah. This hurt a lot of people. Oh, yeah. But other people were like, I'm sorry. What? They were duped? No way. You would have to be colossally stupid to believe that you had the right to strip search a young girl. Yeah. All because some change went missing? No. One Georgia judge said, basically, yes, these hoaxes were perpetrated by a pervert. But people in management have a responsibility to use some common sense. They bear some responsibility mm, here. Mm-hmm. Okay. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I think they do bear some responsibility. Yeah. yeah. You can't just blindly follow what somebody on the phone is telling you to do and not be held responsible when those actions lead to somebody being sexually assaulted.
0: What about in the case of – what about Donna?
1: Yeah. I think she should be held responsible. Yeah. Yes. I agree. Yeah. I. Her actions, her lack of getting some kind of proof that who she was talking to on the phone was who she mm-hmm. thought it was, directly led to Louise being traumatized for the rest of her life and yeah. horribly sexually assaulted. Yeah. She has to be held responsible for that.
0: Yeah, I agree. If you got a call like that at work,
1: oh, I'd hang up immediately. I if someone be, said they were
0: a cop, it would it would not
1: take me long to figure out that it was.
0: You've just been in the biz for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> is it is it just that you've like experienced yeah. enough? Yeah, I yeah. think so. Yeah, yeah, I just. Part of me does feel sorry for these folks. Uh, And I do. I do
1: feel sorry for them because they didn't choose for that to happen to them. No. But they did choose to take the actions that they took.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I just don't understand how someone can be that stupid. I don't either. Someone's purse was stolen, so I need to get this girl completely naked. Yeah. That's insane.
1: Yes, it is insane.
0: I mean, where can you shove a purse, honest to God? (laughs) There were all these conversations. Things are stretchy, Krista. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to get a nasty infection during that. Oh, God. <laughs> so these conversations were happening all over the nation. And Wes, the guy who did all that stuff to yeah. Louise, was still facing charges. His trial was getting closer and closer. He faced up to 20 years in prison. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 I'm sorry.
1: He forced her to perform oral sex on him. Yeah,
0: yeah. You, you know that it's not real at that point. Yeah, and
1: you called someone as
0: soon as you left and said, I just did something terrible. Mm-hmm. You knew it wasn't real. Yeah. Ultimately, he pled guilty, and he was sentenced to five years in prison. Mm-hmm. Then it was Donna's turn. At first, a judge dismissed the charge against her. Wow. Judge Rebecca Ward basically said, Donna used poor judgment, but she's a victim here too. What she did went way past poor judgment. I completely agree. Completely agree. I think if she had passed the call off to someone else, and Mm -hmm. then they had done everything, Mm -hmm. then... Then maybe, yeah, she got duped. But like, she strip searched someone. Um,
1: I even think that if it had gone just to the strip search and then she, once like the requests got more outlandish, if she would have been like, okay, this is ridiculous, like I would maybe be willing to say, yes, you got duped. But it went so fucking far. You'd be
0: okay with a strip search over. I'm just saying, like, I could maybe see her side,
1: like, okay, yes, I understood I was looking for the purse. Like, I got that, and then I realized that this was clearly right. not real. Okay. Oh. But as far as it went, there's no yeah, way that she no. just got duped. I just can't believe that.
0: And she was out of the room for, mm-hmm. yeah, but, I, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. no. Uh, then the judge changed her mind, and Donna headed to trial. Yeah, I, what? I was reading this like, whoa, I didn't. I don't know how often that can oh, happen. I can't imagine that it happens real often. No. I'm going to dismiss the charges? Oh wait, oh, wait, no, I'm not? Yeah, like, oops, I didn't read the back of the paper? I I don't Holy know what... hell. I don't know what that's about. After... A few weeks after Wes was sentenced to prison, Donna entered an Alford plea. Mm. She was given a year of probation. Mm-hmm. So... I didn't write this down, but you and I, you taught me about the Alfred plea with the- Yeah, so an Alfred plea says that you are maintaining your innocence, but that you
1: believe the prosecution may have enough evidence to convict you. Uh, Which they for sure did. For sure did, did.
0: yes. Finally, it was time for David, a.k.a. Officer Scott's Mm. trial. Police departments and prosecutors all over the nation were watching this thing. Because the Mount Washington case was the strongest one against him. Mm-hmm. And if Mount Washington could get him, then the rest might have a shot. Yeah, It all hinged on Mount Washington. The prosecution talked all about the calling cards. They talked about all the similar cases across the United States. And they showed the surveillance footage from the Walmart. They called Donna to, to the stand. They called Wes to the stand. He testified in his prison jumpsuit. He told the jury he felt like the caller had control of his mind. But there was so much that the prosecution didn't have. They didn't have witnesses who saw David make the calls. You're right, they didn't. They didn't have audio recordings. Mm -mm. All they had was that surveillance footage. Is this guy going to get off? They didn't have... Kristen! (sighs) Give me like a wink. I'm giving you nothing. Oh, I can't handle it. They didn't have any direct evidence to tie him to the hoax. The defense harped on that fact. Defense attorney Stephen Ramirez said that even if David is the one who bought those calling cards, you can't prove that he was the one who made the calls. Oh, God, that's probably true. Yeah. Oh, no. At some point, and I couldn't tell if this was before the trial, during the trial, mm-hmm. at some point after it, but Stephen implied that Louise might, be, might have been in on the whole thing. No! Yeah. Uh, Bull fucking shit. Double middle finger to that yeah. guy. The jury deliberated for two hours. Oh, no. <gasps> they found him not guilty. No! I know. Why did you do this case? This is terrible. (laughs) He just gets away with it. The verdict sent a powerful message to prosecutors and police officers all over the nation. If the strongest case couldn't win. None of them could. Right. What do you think of that?
1: I think, I mean, it's probably true, but it
0: fucking sucks. (gasps) I I was so mad. Yeah. And you know how I told you I had a shitty weekend? Yeah. I think it's because of this. Yeah. Because, like, what happened to Louise was so terrible. And toward the end, I actually did start to really feel for Donna. I think maybe that 2020 episode, like, caught her in a moment where, like, everyone is telling you you suck. And oh, yeah. I it. think that's... And maybe she was defensive. For sure, probably what happened. Um, But... But looking at ugh, looking at what the jury was presented, I can see why they found him not guilty. Yeah, because I can that's too. That's just not enough.
1: Yeah, I can too.
0: But oh my god, ugh, that sucks. Roughly three years after that phone call, Louise was still in therapy and still suffering. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. By that point, she had a fuller picture of what had gone on. She understood that what had happened to her wasn't some freak thing that couldn't have been predicted. Mm-hmm. Those calls had been going on for 10 years, and McDonald's corporate knew about the calls.
1: She sue McDonald's?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I don't know why I did not even laugh. They knew it was a problem, and they knew their employees were at risk. And
1: they didn't do any training or anything or send out a memo to let people know.
0: Let's talk about what they did. Oh, let's. Oh, wait. First, we got to get to this part. Oh, okay. Sorry. So, you know, she was like looking at all this stuff, getting more upset. And then she said to herself, let's "Let's go to court. court. She sued for $200 million. (laughs) Woo. Yeah. I
1: went, ooh. I almost said uh, yeah. something terrible.
0: <laughs> What's that saying? Reach for the moon, and you'll land among the stars. <laughs> I think that's what they were doing with the two hundred million. Shoot for the moon. Oh, what did I say? Later? Reach for the moon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> she basically said, "Look, McDonald's corporate knew about all these hoaxes. They defended themselves against lawsuits over these calls in four different states." They didn't warn any of us employees. Mm-hmm. They didn't train us on prevention. Mm-hmm. They could have prevented what happened to me, but they didn't. Excellent. Evidently, McDonald's global security director had advised that McDonald's put warning stickers on all their headsets and all, all their phones so that employees would be kind of on the lookout for uh-huh. prank calls.
1: And they didn't do it. They didn't do it. <gasps> they never went
0: through with it. They talked about it, but didn't do it. Louise's lawsuit also named Donna and the other assistant manager Kim as defendants Mm -hmm. for their roles. Meanwhile, Donna also sued McDonald's. Yeah,
1: I'd say she has grounds for that too.
0: She wanted $50 million. Because she, you know, again, she was just like, You should have warned. You should have warned us.
1: You knew this was going on. You should have trained us for this. Yep. Yeah.
0: McDonald's was like, whoa, 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 whoa. (laughs) I'm not loving it. They were like, this is David Stewart's fault and Wes's fault. But then David got acquitted, and they were like, this is an unknown caller's fault and Wes's fault. And by the way, strip searches are totally against our policy. It's not our fault that employees didn't read the policy that we put into a 1,000-page manual. Mm Mm-hmm. And yes, we knew about the other hoaxes, but we did what every other fast food restaurant did to prevent future problems. We pretended it didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> so it's hard, to, it's hard to know exactly what they did. Um, one source I saw said that like they sent out voicemail messages to all the franchise owners and the mm-hmm. store managers, but some people were like, yeah, we didn't get those. Mm-hmm. And even if that was what happened... You would need training for basically anyone yeah. who's picking up a phone. Yeah. Anyway. Okay, when I worked for a corporation, uh-huh. there was a
1: – like, we there would be – we would get scam alerts all the time. Oh. It would come to your corporate email uh-huh. and be like, these are the things to look for. These are the key words that the person will say. This is how to handle it. Really? Yes. What kind of scams? All kinds of scams. Product diversion scams. Gift card scams. I mean, there's all kinds of different scams people run on businesses. Change scams where they give you 100 and they do the quick change and it, somehow they end up with the 20 back and the 100 and like, yeah. What kind. There's all kinds of scams that get run on on businesses constantly. I need a story. And Can so, you tell a story? I don't have one that comes oh, to mind it. immediately. Okay. But, but yeah, so like – Working for a large corporation, I worked for a very big corporation. Yeah. Thousands of salons under their parent umbrella. And so whenever something like that would come through, they would send out a corporate email. Everybody in the company has a corporate email account right. assigned to them. And you got it in your email inbox.
0: Yeah, which seems like exactly how exactly you're exactly how to it should be handled. Doesn't seem that tough. And did people actually read these emails? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, then there you go. I mean, because I guess that could be the other argument is, oh, it doesn't mm-hmm. get read. But but yeah, I think usually if it's an email, yeah. not a thousand page manual, right. people yeah. will actually mm-hmm. read it.
1: And like as leadership, mm-hmm. like we were advised to have like the managers print out a hard copy of it and put it in the break room so that right. everybody can see it in case someone is not accessing their corporate email as often as they should.
0: Right. In case they do, like, the Pony Express thing. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So, McDonald's had just said, you know, we did kind of what everybody else mm-hmm. did maybe more. And so uh, there's this point, I believe, that a journalist pressed them on this. And they were like, okay, so what have you done since in the time since that Mount Washington call? Mm-hmm. And McDonald's was like, it'd be inappropriate to discuss in detail specific safety and security measures. Mm-hmm. Inappropriate how? That's what I'm wondering. <laughs> inappropriate like a strip search oh, yeah. or inappropriate? Inappropriate
1: like, like a f- poor girl getting a cavity search in the office of a McDonald's? Yeah.
0: So I I read that as nothing. Yeah, we, we have did done nothing. nothing. We've done nothing. And oopsies, we did not anticipate this question. Yeah. So I'd rather not yep. answer. Thanks so much. Yeah, that's exactly what that sounds like. Then... McDonald's blamed Louise. What? How
1: in the fuck could it possibly be Louise's fault? You think she strip
0: searched herself back there? Get ready. this is, this is so upsetting. They said that her injuries, if any, were all due to the fact that she didn't figure out that the guy on the phone wasn't a cop. She didn't talk to the guy on the phone! So I guess... She, like, was handed the phone every now and then. But, yeah. No, she's, she wasn't the one running the show. That's Holy insane. Holy shit. Plus, she could have walked out of the office at any time. No. She couldn't have. Absolutely not. She was naked. Yeah. She could not have walked. She had and no people keys. of authority were uh-huh. telling her what to do. Absolutely not. That's the other thing that gets brought up is, like, again... She's a high school senior yeah. who is used to obeying adults. Yes. Her, I think her dad was military. So she just, you talk about a kid who had oh strong my, respect That makes for me so angry. Figures. Yeah. Yeah. So they're trying to say she should have figured out that it wasn't a cop, which even if she had, what good would that have done? Donna wasn't going to listen to that. Uh, Wes was obviously not going to listen to that. In a deposition, one of the McDonald's lawyers asked her, did it ever occur to you to scream?
1: What good would that have done her?
0: I I hate questions like that. Yeah. So it's all her fault. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry I
1: handled the situation wrong.
0: Yeah. I'd love to see how you would handle it.
1: Yeah. Holy shit.
0: Yeah, so I guess she was supposed to, if she'd been a good victim, she would have run screaming naked 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 through
1: mcdonald's through
0: a crowded restaurant in her small town yeah and you know she couldn't have like gotten into her car because her keys had been taken so i guess she'd just be naked yeah yeah oh my gosh this whole time mcdonald's was like uh do you guys want to settle because if so we're totally down to settle and louise and donna were both like no no thank you So their lawyers teamed up in this civil suit against Mm -hmm. McDonald's, and the civil trial went on for nearly a month in the fall of 2007. I'm not going to rehash anything because we already know what happened. But at one point, Donna did take the stand and say that she'd been so humiliated by what happened and so ashamed that she'd considered suicide. Oh, wow. You know, again. I I hated her when I was watching that 2020 clip, but the more I read about her in the years mm-hmm. since then, I just I feel like she was dealing with a lot of emotions that she wasn't maybe yeah. equipped to handle. So the McDonald's defense team's reaction to that, you know, admission that she'd considered suicide was, why didn't you get psychiatric care? Hmm. Wow. Yeah, implying that. I guess it was made up or like... Oh, my
1: gosh.
0: When Louise took the stand, they asked her why she didn't leave the office or at the very least write a note about what was going on and slip it under the door to get help. Oh, yeah. Because that would have been Uh effective. Yeah, that
1: would have been super effective. What the fuck? Right? This is so ridiculous. Yeah. I hope they get all of the money. I hope these two people are the CEO of McDonald's. (laughs) 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 (laughs)
0: they also called in mental health experts who were like louise is fine she She seems just fine to us she's mostly recovered everything's cool holy shit i just don't understand this is infuriating like how obviously everyone deserves a good defense but how could you feel okay about yourself if you knew what had happened to this person? Yeah, and you were trying to make it like you should have done X, y, and Z. right. This is somehow your fault.
1: Yeah. This it's nuts. This
0: terrible thing that happened to you should have been prevented by you. Oh my gosh. The jury deliberated for two days at one point. They asked the judge for a definition of the word "detained," and he said he couldn't tell them that. Ooh. And they were like, "Cool, can we have a dictionary?"
2: Uh huh.
0: And he was like, "No," which I I thought okay, that was that's weird. I thought that was so weird. But anyway, what do you think they decided?
1: Huh. I think they decided in the women's favor, mm-hmm. but I bet they didn't get nearly that much money.
0: Yeah, you're right. <laughs> So they they sided with Louise. Uh-huh. They awarded her $5 million in punitive damages uh-huh. and a little more than $1.1 million in compensatory damages. Uh-huh. They said, so punitive, that's obviously to punish McDonald's. Yeah. So they're on the hook for those $5 million. Yeah. And they said that half the blame went to McDonald's and the other half went to the unknown caller. Okay. So that splits the compensatory uh-huh. damages. Uh, blah, blah, blah. The jury didn't think that Donna or Kim should have to pay any damages, uh-huh. which I, oh, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Afterward, one of the jurors was like, we settled on an amount that would let Louise live very well for the rest of her life and put all of this behind her. But sorry, no one's worth $200 million. Yeah. <laughs> Louise cried after the verdict was read. She announced that she'd use some of the money to go to law school. That same jury awarded Donna $1.1 million. Mm -hmm. After the verdicts, Donna and Louise hugged. Donna said, I told Louise I was happy for her, and she said she was happy for me. Side note. Mm -hmm. While all of this was going on, Louise was involved in a legal dispute with her original legal team. Ooh, they filed a lien on this judgment because they were like, we'd like some of that thank you because we did some of the work in the beginning. And she was like, don't think so. I'm suing you for legal malpractice. Uh-huh. So that's a whole other issue. I'm not going to get into it because this is a long case. Yeah. But one thing that I thought was really interesting was that Louise's new legal team said that the old legal team messed up by forcing her to do interviews with ABC Uh and the Courier-Journal. The new legal team was like, those interviews showed McDonald's in a bad light, so the cat was out of the bag. If they'd never done that, then Louise would have... What are you doing to your mouth right now? (laughs) I'm listening! Would you explain to the listeners what you were doing? I wasn't doing anything! I'm sitting here listening! You guys... Picture a kid who just got their braces off for the first time, and they're like licking and sucking on their (laughs) teeth, or sucking anything. I'm gonna say, oh, look at you! You want so badly to lick your teeth. I don't. (laughs) Okay, so yeah, she was basically like, they let the cat out of the bag. They totally. Portrayed McDonald's in a negative yeah. light, uh, rightly, rightfully so. Yeah. But if they hadn't done that, then McDonald's would have been like, "Ooh, let's save some face and pay you a ton of money to shut up forever."
2: Uh-huh.
0: So basically, the new legal team was like, "You got screwed over yeah. by the old guys." Anyway, moving on. So that was one little thing. Uh, so the jury thought McDonald's had been shitty. But the McDonald's legal team made it pretty clear after the verdict came down that they were going to appeal. appeal. Yeah. Duh. So they did. Duh. <laughs> Could have seen that one come out. <laughs> but Louise's attorneys were like, uh, not so fast. The lead attorney, Anne Oldfather, was still pissed about something she said happened during the trial. She said that on July 3rd, 2007, an attorney from McDonald's received a ton of documents pertaining to Louise's strip search. It's
1: Cameron's birthday,
0: by the way, my niece. <laughs> <laughs> but when they all had a hearing a week later, the attorney hadn't handed anything over to Louise's lawyers. In fact, that attorney told the judge we have produced everything we can literally get our hands on. And Old Father didn't find out about all those documents until the day before trial started. So she only got them because McDonald's was found in contempt of court for concealing them. So all of a sudden, the day before freaking trial, she gets 16 boxes of documents dumped on her. Oh my gosh. Uh Uh-huh. Not okay. No. So she was like, you know what? You guys should have to pay all of Louise's legal fees to us, mm-hmm. which, by the way, are a metric shit ton. Yeah. Lawyers from McDonald's were like, whoa, no way. They were like looking at the paperwork. They're like, there's no way you worked this many hours. But Judge McDonald, which, <laughs> it, I mean, I swear to you, I swear to you, it was Judge McDonald's <laughs> weighed in. And he was like, hey, McDonald's, Remember me? I was the judge when this whole thing went to trial. You guys contested every little motion. Mm -hmm. You got yourselves ass deep in Louise's private life. So if Louise's lawyers had to work long hours, it's because you made them work long hours. So he ordered McDonald's to pay $2.4 million in legal fees. Oh my gosh. Yeah, because McDonald's probably thought, we'll bury her in all of this and Uh she'll settle. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I feel like that's that's got to be the strategy every time of some every huge corporate, corporation, yeah, corporate yeah, lawyer yeah. like we've got all the money in the world, yeah, will jump down the throats of your little yep. legal team, yep a year later, the original case went to the Kentucky Court of Appeals, and the appellate court said, seems like the jury got it right, hmm. But they did reduce the punitive damages for Donna Summers. They reduced it from, from about $1 million to $400,000. Oh, well. Wow. They were like, you definitely deserve something. But the jury got a little carried away. Yeah. McDonald's did not enjoy the court's decision. Mm-hmm. So they decided, you know what? We're going to take this all the way to the Kentucky Supreme Court. <laughs> But in 2010, I assume because Louise was like, can we fucking not? Yeah. They settled for an undisclosed amount. Wow. Okay. So Wikipedia says 1.1 million. Mm -hmm. But then you go and you actually look at the article that it links to. And it just says that like it could be as little as 1.1. Okay. So I'm hoping she got more. Yeah. I hope she got more than that too. And that's the story of the fast food strip searches. A whole lot of legal drama. A ton of people's lives affected in horrible ways. And the unknown caller has never and probably will never be brought to justice.
1: Oh, my gosh. I think they got the right guy, but I think that they didn't prove it.
0: Yeah, I I imagine so, too. But I, at the same time, it's like, okay, I don't want to live in a country where we You're right. lock people Absolutely. up for, for cases that aren't. Yeah. I don't want to say airtight because I know you you can't get it perfect. Yeah. But I mean, my God, yeah. I just wish they'd they'd had more.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Ooh, so yeah, Norm was gone this weekend. Yeah, I spent like the entire weekend researching this case. I thought maybe it would be slightly light- lighthearted because it wasn't a murder or something.
1: No, no, it was not. It no. was fucking terrible and, and infuriating.
0: Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> May I tell you something? Yeah. Uh, so as you know, I picked up Norm from the airport uh-huh. on Monday night. It was like super late at night. His flight got in from SoCal SoCal Retro Gaming Expo. Like yeah, super late, and I was pulling up to the terminal, and I saw him come out of the door. He had his bags. And like, you know, it. I was just doing the curbside parking. It was kind of a mess. And so, I saw him get kind of behind this van. And I was like, God, why is he getting behind the van when he yeah. knows he needs to go further down so I can, like, squeeze in there. So, I, like, waved to him. And he kind of, like, gave me a smile. And I was like, okay, you know, motion for him to walk down. And yeah. he just, like, smiled at me again. And I pulled in further Uh but I couldn't I couldn't get in in the tiny space and I kept like motioning for him to move around and then he um (laughs) popped the trunk of this minivan and set his suitcases in it and that's when I realized it was not Norman it was another (laughs) (laughs) white guy with brown hair and glasses (laughs) All white guys look the same to me. (laughs) I was so, like, so embarrassed. Like, what did that guy think? I was, like, a kidnapper trying to, like, pull him
1: into your prance.
0: Come on, buddy. (laughs) I got one who looks just like you. (laughs) Gotta catch them all. Those white guys with glasses and brown hair. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Yeah, I'm ready.
1: It had been a long day and Scott Filater was exhausted.
0: It's called oral
1: sodomy. (laughs) We've talked about some rough last names on this show. But Filater That's too bad. It's rough. He was exhausted. It was January sixteenth, nineteen ninety seven. And by the time he arrived at his Phoenix, Arizona home after work, he just wanted to go to bed. Scott's job as an engineer for Motorola had been super stressful lately. I think he was working on developing that cell phone that you still use.
0: (laughs) Oh, oh, my God, you guys. This is why we need to videos this stuff. You should have seen Brandy wind up for that joke. It was... This smile is so sly. Why do you always make fun of me for my old shit, my old car? My, oh, you. Were, well, you were very nice to buy me these nice slippers. Yeah, it was because you did observe me in my what? You spend
1: sixty percent of your day in your slippers,
0: and you were oh, that's, wearing that's and you low. were wearing
1: shit slippers. How dare you?
0: <laughs> Costco makes a fine <laughs> slipper.
1: Anyway, yeah, Kristen still uses a Motorola cell phone, guys.
0: Well, you know, if if you feel sorry for me, please donate to my husband's Patreon. (laughs) So the job had been super
1: stressful. He hadn't been sleeping well. But Scott was a devoted family man. So instead of arriving home and falling straight into bed, he went in, kissed his wife Yarmila, and said hello to his two teenage children.
0: Yarmila for later? Yarmala for later. Oh, oh no. It's not great. <laughs> okay. This is when I have to, yeah, you yeah. have
1: to stop. You can't make fun of her.
0: Yeah. I, I, I just feel like I need to like let everyone know. I know my last name is Pitts. I'm aware. Well, I'm not even saying
1: that. Like, let's not make fun of someone who's about to die. Oh no.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh God. I didn't. Oh no. <laughs>
1: Felator's way worse than Pitts, by the
0: way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's not going to win first prize, but it's going to be in there. <laughs> um,
1: and so then the family sat down for a nice dinner. After dinner, Scott grabbed some tools and went out back to work on a malfunctioning pump in the family's pool. After tinkering for a while without making much progress, Scott decided he just needed to get some sleep. He'd have to work on this later. When he went inside, Yarmala was in the living room watching ER. He told her goodnight, and that was the last thing he remembered. Now, it was just before 2 o'clock in the morning on January 17th, and Scott Felater found himself sitting in an interrogation room at the Phoenix Police Department, dressed in red pajama pants and a white T-shirt. Veteran police detective John Norman was seated across from him. You need anything? You cold? Norman asked for later. Ignoring the question, Scott said, If I'm here, I'm afraid that means my wife is dead.
0: Oh, that's the first thing he said?
1: And Detective Norman replied, Uh, yeah. Yeah. With his answer, Scott began weeping and then buried his face in his hands. Mm. What brought this on? The detective asked. I don't, I don't know. I mean, from what the neighbors say, you guys seemed happy, never fought. And Scott said, all Scott said back was, I, I loved her. So what set this thing off? The detective asked again, what, what got it going? Yeah. And Scott said, obviously you think I did it. I don't know what makes you think that. And he was right. Detective Norman did think he did it. And he had good reason to believe that. The neighbors had seen him do it, Oh, he told Scott. But what exactly had the neighbors seen Scott Filader do that night? Sometime after Scott had gone to bed that January night, neighbors heard screams and yelling and dogs barking at the Filader home. Greg Coons, upon hearing the ruckus, had gone outside and looked over his fence into the Philator backyard. He saw Scott attacking Yarmala. But suddenly, he had stopped and walked away. Then, he returned, dressed in different clothing and now wearing gloves. What? Greg watched as Scott dragged Yarmala to the pool and then <sighs> gasped in horror as he rolled her body in and held her underneath the surface.
0: Oh, my God.
1: That's when Greg Coons called 911.
0: Wait, and the neighbor was just, like, watching this? Mm-hmm. The husband just threw, I,
1: I believe, the wife into the pool. It looks like he's holding her underwater, Coons told the dispatcher. The dispatcher asked if they were fighting, and Greg said, I, I don't know. I don't know what the problem is. It's weird. I'm concerned. When police arrived at the Flater home, they went immediately to the backyard, and Yarmala's body was floating in the pool. Oh. There was blood everywhere. Oh. The pool water was red with blood. Oh no! Yarmala had been stabbed 44 times and then drowned.
0: Oh my God!
1: Police took Scott into custody. But he claimed he had no recollection of what had happened to his wife. He must have been sleepwalking.
0: I don't know, man. (laughs) I don't know. The detective
1: balked at Scott's claim that he remembered nothing. Yeah, me too. He was like, all right, Scotty. You claim you don't recall killing your wife. So why don't you tell me what you do remember? And Scott was like, I remember being in bed. I heard the dogs barking and a lot of voices. So I came down and there were police everywhere. You guys were all over me. And the detective is like, you remember more than that. Come on, Scott. What did you guys argue over? Mm -hmm. He's like, nothing. We didn't argue about anything. How did she die? And at this point, Scott still had his head in his, in his hands like this. And he like peeked out between his fingers no. as the, uh, as the detective answered his are question. Are you making this up? No. <laughs> <laughs> and the detective said, well, the neighbor says you stabbed her and drug her over to the pool and held her under the water in the pool. And he watched you do it from what people are telling me about you guys. You spend a lot of time in the church. You're a real quiet family, and this is really out of character. <laughs> I want to know—you've
0: never murdered each other before. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like nobody's been murdered in this family before. <laughs> I just think it's so funny. Yeah. When people say it's real out of character. Like, okay. right? I guess if you've never seen a view, sorry, I just got another text. Uh, yeah, is it a baby? Is a baby texting you? Uh, I, oh my gosh. <laughs> Should we just come out and say, like... Yeah, we're on Baby Watch. We're on Baby Watch big time. Yeah. My sister, like... The due date date is, like, a week and a half away. Yeah, but but that's...
1: It is. When you
0: look at the... the You
1: can practically see it crowning when you (laughs)
0: just look at Kyla. (laughs) Okay, I have to tell you something really funny and really, like, (laughs) really dumb. Okay, let me pull up a text from Kyla. And I'm hoping you don't know about this either, because you have also not had kids. I have not. Okay, so she texted me the other day after Mm -hmm. her doctor's appointment and said, gave some details, and the last sentence was, Baby's head is at zero station. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was like a funny way of being like, you know... (laughs) <laughs> All systems go, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like that kind of thing. Yeah. And so the other day I saw Jay, my brother in law. Yeah. And I was like, "Hey, you know, sounds like sounds like this might be happening soonish." Mm-hmm. And he's like, "Do you know something? I don't." <laughs> and I was like, "Well, no, but you know, it just seems, <laughs> I don't know." And then he started talking about like zero station negative
1: 5. I don't know one, what
0: those mean. <laughs> So he's talking, and it was like all of a sudden his voice turned into the Charlie Brown teacher voice. Yeah, like, wah wah wah. Yeah, and I realized, oh zero station. It's an actual is position of the baby. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking like zero dark thirty. Or- <laughs> <laughs> so that was a long way of saying. We keep interrupting the podcast like anytime I get a text Yeah, because we're like waiting for the baby text. Instead, it's just like random people from my life saying, hey. Hey, yeah. For like the first time in multiple (laughs) days and they're all texting right now. So
1: the detective is like, you know, hey, everybody says you guys are a real quiet family. This is super out of character. So what went on? What led to this? What set you off? What did she do to set you off like this? Hmm. And Scott says, nothing. And the detective says, what'd you do to set yourself off like that then, Scott? (laughs) Okay. And Scott said, I'm sorry, I just don't know. And the detective says, okay, help me with this, Scott. This is hard for me to understand. And Scott goes, you can say that again. <laughs> <laughs> no. <Yeah. Wait. laughs> I can't tell when you're serious. He Did literally you know? said, you can say that again. I don't actually know what tone he said it in, but
0: there's no, no tone, tone that, the, that that would no. be an okay
1: response.
0: <laughs> but does he think he's in a goofy sitcom? Yeah. So he says, you can say that
1: again. And then he cuts to commercial. I just don't know. I loved her. Been married to her all of my adult life. She certainly didn't deserve to die. She was a good wife, great mother, so were my kids. (laughs) What? (laughs) You think he meant like his kids were also great?
0: (laughs) You think he was just like so so stunned and out of it that now he's like misspeaking and stuff? I guess. And so the the detectives
1: keep going. He's like, what went wrong? What I'm not, you know, and he just keeps saying nothing, nothing went wrong. I love my wife. I love my kids. And then there's like a few moments of silence. Mm -hmm. And then Detective Norman started in again. And he said, well, how'd you get that blood all over you? And Scott looks down and he's like, what blood? And he's like, dude, there's blood all over your neck. And he like motioned. And there was, there's just like blood streaked, like all over his neck and stuff. And Scott was like, I I didn't know I had blood on me.
0: Oh, what?
1: And then the detective pointed um, to Scott's hands. He had a fresh cut and a fresh bandage on his right hand. And again, Scott was like, I have no idea. I don't know how I cut myself. I have no recollection of putting a bandaid on. Detective Norman had had enough. Yeah. He's like, fine, have it your way. But you're going to jail for first degree murder. And with that, Scott Filater was placed under arrest, and a short time later was charged with the first degree murder of Yarmala Filater. The prosecutor, Juan Martinez. Perhaps you've heard of him. Yeah,
0: okay. Oh, help me out. Why do you know that name? Pips I don't him. know. It's it's driving me crazy. He is
1: the prosecutor from the Jody Arias trial.
0: <gasps> oh, <laughs> yes. okay, thank you. Yes.
1: So he announced a short time later that he would be seeking the death penalty. Wow. Yeah. As the case moved forward to trial, investigators searched for a motive. They expected to find money problems or a secret mistress or kinky sex stuff, as Kristen always seems to find. (laughs) But they found nothing. Scott and Yarmila had been together since they were in high school. They'd married in college and had... Nothing short of the picture-perfect marriage. They had two kids they adored, they never fought, and they were very active in their LDS faith. Scott did admit to detectives that there were two topics that the couple didn't agree on. First, Scott wanted more children. But Yarmala, at 43, with high school age children, oh, God. was not interested in well, starting no over. Well, no kidding. Yeah, he really wanted more kids, and she was like, I'm done. Yeah. Uh, we raised our kids. Uh-huh. <laughs> and at
0: 43, I mean, how many more are we going to yeah. have?
1: Second, Yarmala thought Scott was too devoted to the LDS church and spent too much time there. And Scott thought thought Yarmala was withdrawing from her faith. Neither of those added up to a motive, though. No. With no clear motive, investigators turned the focus of the investigation to discrediting Scott's sleepwalking claims. They sent him for four days of tests at the Sleep Disorder Service and Research Center. Over the four days, experts observed his brain waves looking for abnormalities consistent with sleepwalking. Only this didn't work out real great for them because experts found those abnormalities. I was going to say that's a real gamble. (laughs) It is. It is. Uh, Scott Flader had interruptions in his phases of sleep right before the dreaming stage. So like his sleep would be interrupted right before he entered that stage. And that's Uh like super indicative of sleepwalking.
0: Wow. Okay, yeah. I've I've never sleepwalked. I haven't either. Yeah, and I, I don't have family who sleepwalks. No. So I'm... Yeah. I mean, at the beginning of this, I was totally thinking he was full of it, yeah. but...
1: Yeah. So they're Man. like, well, shit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> that did not work out how we wanted it
1: to. <laughs> and so the prosecution had to move forward with the trial without a clear motive uh-huh. and without being able to fully discredit Scott's claims of sleepwalking.
0: But okay. This what? is when I don't like the justice system. Cause what if what if you find that evidence uh-huh. and you think, okay, well then maybe it wasn't first degree. Uh-huh. And so maybe we we bump it down. Yeah. Like you don't just charge ahead. They did. Well, I don't think you should. <laughs> Right? Yeah, they weren't like,
1: oh, let's back it down. We're going to do second-degree murder. We're going to drop the death penalty. Oh, no. They were like, full steam ahead. Death penalty, here we come. See, and
0: then it's like, well, what's driving you guys? It's not the mm-hmm. need for justice. Yeah. Well, we know, based on Jody Arias... Maybe we don't know.
1: Maybe not everybody knows because I'm gonna I'm about to cover that case. Really? But,
0: I've heard that before.
1: <laughs> um, I am going to cover it and very soon. Uh-huh. But we know that Juan Martinez is a big fan of the death penalty. Is that a spoiler? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but only if you've never yeah. like heard of the Jodi Arias case ever would that be a spoiler. <laughs> so they're like, great, we'll figure out another way to prove premeditation and to um, prove that he was not sleepwalking. Okay. So the six-week trial began in May of 1999 with the prosecution contending that Scott was not sleepwalking at all and that the this was a premeditated attack. So during his opening statements, Juan Martínez told the jury that this could not have been sleepwalking because after he committed the murder, he had the forethought or the mental awareness to Mm -hmm. take his clothes off, put them in a plastic container Mm -hmm. along with the knife that he used to stab her, and then hide that container in the spare tire well of the trunk of his car. Whoa. Yes.
0: Okay. (sighs)
1: What do you think about that?
0: Well, it makes me want to know more about sleepwalking. Right. Because I want to understand Yeah. I mean, why why is that so implausible when uh-huh. killing someone uh-huh. isn't? I don't know, maybe, maybe know, it's
1: maybe it's not implausible. Well, yeah, that's what I'm maybe saying. Maybe there's a sleep expert who says that that's totally normal behavior.
0: Hmm. <laughs> Okay.
1: Continue. So also during his um, opening statements, Juan Martinez said that he would produce a witness that would prove that this was all a plan from the beginning. Really? And that, that, yes, perhaps Scott Felater is a sleepwalker. But when he was working at Motorola, he had a conversation with a witness who would testify at trial. Mm hmm about a case from the 80s where a Canadian man killed his mother-in-law and was acquitted of the crime because he did it while he was sleepwalking.
0: Hmm. Is this one of those things... Where he says, I'm going to bring a witness who's going to do this magical stuff. And then the witness never shows up.
1: Yep. Uh-huh. So he told the jury that and then never produced that witness. Why? I well, don't know. Did the person never exist? I, I don't know. Okay. But yeah, he totally laid this out. Yes, there was this man in 1987 in <sighs> Canada who murdered his mother-in-law. And they went to trial and blah, blah, blah. And he was acquitted because... It was proven that he was sleepwalking. You and shouldn't Scott, be allowed to say And this. Scott Flater knew all about this case because he had an in-depth conversation about it with a woman he worked with at Motorola. And I will bring her to this courtroom and I will have her tell you that herself. Only he never did. She never came. That's insane. So there's no way to know if that conversation ever took place.
0: That's bullshit.
1: But he told the jury about it.
0: That mistrial Right, that's insane, isn't it? Insane. You,
1: I think it's insane. So that's my biggest problem with this whole case. Well, yeah, is that he promised this witness, Who and then would've... for whatever reason, yeah, never produced that witness. But that would not be the detail that this case would hinge on. It would hinge largely. Uncontradictory expert testimony. Mm. So the defense called psychologist Rosalind Cartwright to testify about sleepwalking. So she had actually been involved in his testing when he spent those four days at the sleep research center. Gotcha. And she completely believed in Scott Flater's innocence. And she testified that sleepwalkers have committed all kinds of senseless acts during a sleepwalking event. There's instances of them destroying their own property, destroying their own furniture, cooking, preparing entire meals, and eating them and cleaning up, using sharp instruments to do that. Even instances of people injuring their own bodies, like putting their fists through a glass window. All kinds of crazy things that... People there are records of people doing under sleepwalking events. Wow. So her theory that she testified to was that Scott, while sleepwalking, had gone out to the pool to work on that malfunctioning pump. Uh huh. Did I say go out to the pool, or did yeah. I say go out to the tool? <laughs> I think you said pool. Huh. Either way, she went out to the. He went out to the pool. He grabbed some tools, uh-huh. and he was in his sleepwalking state. Working on that malfunctioning pump. It had been the like last thing he went right. <laughs> like a fool. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it had been the last thing that he'd done before he'd gone to bed. And then when Yarmala saw him out there and was like, the fuck are you doing? Uh-huh. Uh, although well, she's Mormon, she's, so she well, definitely oh, yeah, didn't she's say not that. saying that, no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So she sees him out there and she walks out there and she's like, what are you doing? What are you doing out here? And his fight-or-flight impulse kicked in, and he attacked her using the tools that he had that he was working on the pump with.
0: Well, he wasn't working with a knife, So there was was like a knife
1: and a screwdriver there because he was using like a knife to pry something off. So, yes. So the question that was posed to her as an expert witness was, why would he be threatened by his own wife? Mm Mm-hmm. And she said that sleepwalkers are incapable of facial recognition during their episodes. Oh. She said that Scott would have likely mistaken Yarmala for an attacker and then just would have immediately gone into the fight or flight mode. Uh Uh-huh. So after that, the defense called a sleep expert. And this sleep expert offered testimony about that clothing that he put in the wheel well of his car. yes. So he said because Scott often kept an extra set of clothing in his car, Mm -hmm. he said it was for yard work. I think Scott testified that it was for the gym. I don't know. There's some confusion about why there was clothing in his car. But that because since he did that regularly, it is not outside of the realm of belief that he could have taken those clothes to his car in this sleepwalking state and that it was not an intentional way to hide evidence.
0: But did he always put his gym clothes I in the wheel? I doubt it. Exactly. Nor did he wrap up murder weapons with them. I mean, yeah, no.
1: I don't buy it. And neither did Juan Martinez. Ooh. so Juan Martinez, uh-huh. prosecutor called another sleep disorder expert to basically contradict everything that these two had presented. So he called Mark Pressman. And he testified that Yarmala's screams of pain and that the dog's barking would have brought him out of his sleepwalking state. Yeah,
0: wouldn't it? There's
1: no way he would have stayed in that state long enough to do all of this with all of yeah. that going on. And there was another bit of evidence that the the neighbor testified to uh-huh. that he heard Scott Filater call the dog by name when it was barking. Uh-huh. And this Mark Pressman testified that that would not have been able to happen if he was truly in a sleepwalking state. He would not have been able to call the dog by name or recognize that it was his dog that because was of making facial those noises. Blindness. Yes, weird. Yeah. So just completely contradictory testimony by these experts.
0: I hate this. What is a jury supposed to How, do? What with are this? you supposed to do? Who do you believe? See, that's so scary because then for me it would come down to subjective factors like well, exactly. I, I like guy number one's tie. In I the mean, way right? he talked. Yeah, right.
1: So. This – Mark Pressman also testified that a sleepwalker can't create new memories during a sleepwalking episode. So he said that um, Scott's recognition of the need to conceal that evidence proves that he was not in a sleepwalking state.
0: So you can only do stuff you've done before. Yes. What if he's murdered a ton of people? Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. That's interesting. Yeah. That's super interesting. Yeah,
1: I think it's super interesting.
0: Why? Why can't you do? So-
1: I don't know. I'm just the way the part of your brain that's active during so that. So now
0: are we going to hear from another expert who's like, actually, that's not the truth? No, those <laughs> okay. are the only experts.
1: <laughs> but this next piece of testimony is the piece of testimony that I personally found the most impactful okay. through this whole trial. Okay. It was the testimony of Scott's sister, Laura she testified that when she was a teenager scott had been in a sleepwalking state he'd been in the house uh-huh. and she'd tried to wake him up and he'd flung her across the room in his sleepwalking state
0: is this why they say that if you catch someone sleepwalking you're not supposed yeah. to yes oh wow because they
1: they feel like they are being attacked they don't they cannot recognize that it is Wow. A loved one. Yeah. She said that he pushed her and literally was able to fling her across the room. Whoa. Yes. Yeah. So it's like that super strength adrenaline yeah. stuff, too. Yeah. If you really think yeah. you're being attacked. I think that's some pretty big evidence.
0: Okay. Here's here's a theory. Mm-hmm. What if he killed her mm-hmm. because he thought he was being attacked, mm-hmm. he was sleepwalking the whole time, Then he snaps out of it, realizes what happened, and then he goes and hides the evidence. Right. Fully awake.
1: Yeah. I think that's possible.
0: Huh. Still not first-degree murder?
1: No. It wouldn't be first-degree murder. The last person to take the stand at Scott Filader's trial was... Scott Filader. Scott Filader. Ugh. Not a great idea. He said... That he was as devastated as anyone else when he'd learned what he'd done, because through it all, he'd been sleepwalking. Personally, it's something that's going to haunt me forever, Fullator testified. Through tears, he told jurors that the two of them were soulmates since high school. They had a loving marriage and had pledged to be together throughout eternity. There is no way I could do that to her, not intentionally said for later i loved her i don't know what i would do without her so after six, six weeks of testimony wow the jury deliberated for 8 hours
0: uh-huh
1: what do you think they found god
0: i don't i don't know um i think they probably went guilty
1: so in his closing arguments juan martinez told the jury that he believed that this had all been a plan, much like he said in Uh his opening statements, that his plan was to murder her, conceal the weapons, go to bed, have the children find her (gasps) in the backyard in the morning and think that some stranger, it had been some stranger who had attacked her, it had been some kind of home invasion, something. But that the neighbor seeing it had interrupted that plan, but that he'd always had the sleepwalking defense like as a backup plan. Like, Mm. if that doesn't work out, I can fall back on this sleepwalking defense.
0: Okay. That's not a bad closing argument. I don't think it's a bad Um, closing argument either. I think I would lean toward guilty. I think that's what the jury did.
1: Yep. The jury found him guilty of first-degree murder.
0: Yeah. What do you think? I just don't know. I know. it's. Part of me is like... If they could have produced
1: that witness who was like, yes, this is a conversation that I had with him. He knew all about this Canadian guy who mm. got off by uh, offering this sleepwalking. I think I maybe would have been more inclined to. Oh, to yeah, that would have done it. That would me. have done it for me. Absolutely. Yeah. But I have questions. Yeah. So they found him guilty of first degree murder, which meant that they moved forward with the death penalty phase. Oh, God. Yeah. So during the penalty phase, both of the children. Uh, spoke in court, and they asked the judge for leniency. Yeah, how old they were the said, kids? Uh, like 15 and 18 when it oh, happened, God. so they're like 17 and 20 during the trial.
0: Yeah, they don't want to lose both their parents. No,
1: and that's what they said. They're like, please don't take our father away from us. He was a great man. He's always been a great father. Please don't make us lose both of our parents. And Yarmala's mother spoke at during the penalty phase, too, and she said that she couldn't handle her grandchildren losing both of their parents. Yes. And that she believes that Scott needs to still be in their lives, but behind prison bars. Yeah. So what do you think the judge did?
0: I don't know. If I were a judge, Mm -hmm. well, obviously I'd say no to the death penalty. Mm -hmm. I would hope they would respect the wishes of The the
1: victim's mother. Yeah. yeah, and the the children—they're victims in it too. Absolutely, but
0: you never know. Some some judges just are real thrilled to send mm-hmm. someone to death row. Mm-hmm. I think did they kill him?
1: They sentenced sentenced him to life in prison without the possibility of oh, parole. Good. good, yeah. So he appealed his sentence, uh-huh. and ultimately, the appeals court upheld his his um, conviction and his sentence but they released the opinion on it on the five year anniversary of Yarmala's death really? like tell me that's not an act like that was you love your I poetic love poetic justice, justice. <laughs> I love it so ultimately I still have no idea how I feel about this case
0: yeah I think it maybe is possible
1: that he was doing it while he was sleepwalking yeah
0: I, I agree it's possible yeah I, I just wish I knew more about sleepwalking yeah and I hate it when expert testimony conflicts because. Yeah. Who are you supposed to believe? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: But at the same time, Sleepwalking to me sounds so weak. It sounds oh, like, yeah. oh, I had amnesia and I forgot it. Oh, yeah, that's and,
1: exactly what it sounds like.
0: But at the same time, sometimes people really do have amnesia and forget <laughs> exactly. it all. So it's like, sometimes
1: people really do have sleepwalking and they kill their spouse. <laughs> oh,
0: God. I just,
1: yeah, I don't know.
0: Yeah, the hiding the clothes and the weapon to mm-hmm. me, it's like, yeah. It's a step too far but then then I think well why is that a step too right, far?
1: Right, why is that the thing that yeah. yeah. I don't know. Like just the I don't understand the crazy overkill. Yeah. If he's in a sleepwalking state, like obviously at 20 stab wounds, she's probably not fighting back, like Right. Right. 44 stabbed her 44 times and then drowned her.
0: Yeah, I don't and no motive. They could never
1: find. Never found a motive. There was no money problems. He wasn't, the house wasn't secretly getting foreclosed on. Like there appeared to be no problems. What the hell? Yeah.
0: Seeing that tips in his favorite. I make- agree. Ah.
1: I agree.
0: This is so frustrating. It's
1: super frustrating. And there's no way to ever know. Yeah. Never know. So do you think he's wrongfully imprisoned
0: i wouldn't go that far
1: yeah okay what if it was your version he was sleepwalking and then he came to and he hid the weapons what what would it be convicted of second degree murder for you there or involuntary manslaughter or
0: i don't know i'd have to look up all the definitions yeah and then you would be the judge and say, no, you can't have right. the definition. That's I right. No, give a no dictionaries. But yeah, I would think second, second degree.
1: And degree. what sentence? Gosh, he's he's was 41 at the time that the. The murder happened.
0: Yeah, I don't know.
1: Twenty five years.
0: To me, if you didn't consciously do it, mm-hmm. it shouldn't be 25. Mm-hmm. It should be lower. Yeah, Um. But then it's, like, do we just release this guy? Right. And, like, he's got to sleep. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. So he
1: also said that he didn't know that, like, sleep aids were a thing. Like, he didn't know that there was sleeping medication that he could take that would allow him to have a regular sleep cycle. Really? Yeah, because he would often sleep for only, like, two hours at a time. Yeah. And then it would he would be, like, in sleep deprivation because you have to complete REM sleep to like, have a a full sleep cycle. Yeah. So he, but because, for whatever reason, I don't know if it's because of his faith or whatever, he didn't know that, yeah, that, like, Ambien existed.
0: (laughs) Well, Ambien makes you say racist things. We all know that. (laughs) (laughs) That's why he
1: didn't take it. And it also makes you, can make you sleepwalk. So can a sleepwalker take
0: Ambien? I mean, you wouldn't want to, right? I don't oh, know. Oh, man, that
1: the whole can of worms. I don't know. There's too many questions. Yeah. Why did I do this case?
0: I, no, I liked it. <laughs> I mean, it's... I like these where you kind of go on a roller coaster. Yeah. Because you're like, oh, he fucking did it. Wait, did he? Like, obviously he did it, but did he do it? <laughs> <laughs> I like you, but I don't like like Right. <laughs> <laughs> huh. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to feel about I it. I don't. I don't feel good about it. Either I don't feel way. good
1: about it either way either. And I feel terrible for the kids. Yeah. Yeah. Because even though they didn't put him to death, they still he's not really oh, yeah. in their and, lives. And their yeah. Mom is gone. Yeah.
0: In a terrible way. Yeah. Ugh. <sighs> well, you're welcome. <laughs> so, I brought us down, and you brought us down <laughs> even <laughs> further.
1: Hey, we have a uh, we have a case update. Go for it. Nick Godijan. Perhaps you remember Nick Godijan as the man who masturbated in McDonald's for nine hours. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Terrible things happen in McDonald's.
1: <laughs> um, he was um, at the end of 2018, I think November or December of 2018. He was found guilty of first degree murder of Dee, Dee Blanchard. Mm. And just this week he was sentenced to life in prison. Yep. Um, how do you feel about that?
0: I mean, I think that seems about right. Yeah, it's probably. Yeah. yeah. I, st- I still think that Gypsy. Should not have gone to prison. Should not have. Go- yeah. Yeah, I agree. Because she was being held captive against her mm-hmm. will. And when she tried to get free, mm-hmm. no one would listen to her. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sorry, but the doctors didn't step up like they should no,
1: have. No, I totally agree.
0: So, yeah, that that was a crazy case. That was a crazy case. Oof.
1: Well, let me check my show notes here.
0: Oh, oh yes, oh
1: yes. It seems that you owe me an apology over what? Um, I refuse. Perhaps a show recommendation that I gave you <gasps> last week oh. that you turned your nose up at.
0: Okay. Okay, hold on. Let me get ready for it. What What would you like to say <laughs> to me, Kristen? <laughs> okay. So last <laughs> week you recommended that I watch abducted in plain sight. I sure did. And you were like, ew, it's
1: got a 60% on Rotten
0: Tomatoes. Nobody likes this. Gross. Hey, you need to look a lot <laughs> cuter when you do an impression <laughs> <of me. laughs> So I did watch it. Uh-huh. I should, first I should say, I was hanging out with Kyla, and Kyla was like, hey, you watching any new shows? And I was like, Brandy wants me to watch some show called Abducted in Plain Sight. <laughs> and she was like, I want you to watch that show. I told you months ago to watch that thing. Okay, so it's this documentary. I started watching it. It was very good. Oh, yeah, it was excellent. It's on Netflix. Now, I don't like the reenactments they do. Yeah. Not a fan. Not a fan of those either. But the story itself.
1: I told, okay, um, let's listen to the tape. I said, let me listen back. Yes, I said your brain would turn to jelly while you were watching it. You did it.
0: It did. I know It absolutely did. <laughs> because okay, I want to give just a just, just enough. En- just enough, that's so, fine. Yeah. It's the story of this woman who was abducted when she was a child and essentially she was abducted by a family friend who her parents who, trusted. Well, right I would now. I
1: would even venture to say that. A family friend who brainwashed the entire family yes yeah
0: that that that's absolutely right. Yeah. so he's a pedophile who targeted this family mm-hmm. and I mean duped these parents on the level you will not believe legit I when I say your brain will turn to jelly like <laughs> they interview the FBI agent who was involved in this and that guy you just could tell he wanted to Take his shoes off and throw them at both yes. the parents. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so I, I was texting you. I was texting mm-hmm. Kyla. Like, mm-hmm. oh my god, I'm 15 minutes in. Mm-hmm. This just happened. <laughs> what the hell? I, I, I recommend it. Yes. You recommend it. Yes. Kyla recommends it. Kyla recommends it. What Casey, more do you need? Casey also
1: recommends it. Okay, so, so it's us
0: and our and our, our sisters. sisters. What do you need? What else do you need,
1: guys? Watch it. It's on Netflix. You, uh, I was about to say, you won't regret it. You might, but. <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't think you will. I mean, it's, it's so interesting, but it is just.
0: It's very frustrating.
1: <sighs> it's so crazy.
0: Because you're, you're sitting there and you're like, God, I feel sorry for these people. But at the same time, yeah. what the hell are yeah. they thinking? Yes. Is that it for your show notes? No, I've got one more. Oh, damn it. Okay. Go
1: ahead. Someone made a show about us, Kristen. Yeah. What? <laughs> okay, it might not technically be about us, but there's this new show that I've been watching on Hulu, uh-huh. and one of the girls at the salon recommended to me. So one of the girls at the salon, she's her name's Gracie. She's 18. You've met Gracie. I like Gracie uh, yeah. a lot. She's So 20. she was like, hey, I'm watching this show on Hulu, and when I watch it, all I can think about is you and Kristen. And I was like, <laughs> okay. And so she's like, you got to check it out. So it's called it's called Pin 15. What does that mean? And it means penis. <laughs> <laughs> and it's about two girls in middle school in the year 2000. Oh, God. So, and so I've watched, I've watched like five episodes so far. It's uh, it's super funny. Really quick watch because they're like 30 minutes long. It is literally our lives,
0: Kristen. <laughs> I cannot wait to start watching this because I need something uplifting. Uh, yes, it,
1: it is hilarious. Okay. It is so funny. So, I'm yeah, um, I recommend it. If okay. you'd like to watch a show about us. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't get enough of us. Really. That's right. Can never get enough of us. <laughs> when you're not here, I'm just constantly playing the podcast over and over again. Okay, I've got something. Oh, great. Um, so we got a, we got an email uh-huh. from Cassie. She's, so she's originally from Tulsa. She's emailed us before. But she emailed again because she just finished episode 52, the story about the blended family that you oh, did yeah. about the Johnson County case that was so crazy. Yeah. So she said, just now getting to your episode 52 in the story blended family, where Sue Ann and Ed got married in Miami, Oklahoma. Just an FYI, Miami, Oklahoma is pronounced Miami. What? <laughs> LOL. <laughs> my, okay, my. A M, M U H. Oh yeah, Miami. Miami. Oh god. No, it's like Missouri. I know. Okay, I hate it when people. I don't call like it when Missouri. people say Missouri either. My grandma used to say Missouri. I yeah. mean, it's, it's very yeah. polarizing. It's
1: Missouri, folks. Yeah.
0: Ooh. But we pronounce Miami. things weird in yeah. the Midwest. We well, do everywhere. Well, yeah. You know. Yeah. Looking at you, Massachusetts.
1: <laughs> Worcester. <laughs> yeah.
0: You can't just ignore full syllables.
1: <laughs> so thank you Cassie. Thank you Cassie for that.
0: I was so embarrassed. We would have never guessed. Never. Ne- never would have guessed. And someone on Facebook corrected our pronunciation of something too where like I had tried to Oh, Nor you. I
1: it was uh the place in Nebraska. It was Norfolk apparently.
0: But it has an L in it. I
1: swear it had an L in it. Maybe I spelled it wrong. That could be a mistake that I made. No. <laughs>
0: We never make (laughs) smelly errors.
1: Okay, so we announced last week that we had made our 150 goal. Yes. And people have just kept on going. Like, it's really awesome. Thank you to everybody who is still leaving us ratings and reviews. We love it. Thank you so much. We're, like, way past 150 now. uh, Well on our way to (laughs) 1,000, which is the next goal that
0: I set for ourselves. No, it is exciting because I really did think, we'll hit 150 and then we'll just and um, people will go to the yeah. page and be like they, hit they already goal. did they, it they did it yeah. that's fine <laughs> but no we we appreciate you guys who are like let's, let's add another rating let's add another review yeah, we so really do appreciate it the joy of listeners the joy of <laughs> listeners Brandy I'm telling you, I am telling you. if you haven't already please
1: join your fellow listeners and head on over there to uh (laughs) itunes and leave us a rating leave us a review and then find us on social media we're on facebook instagram twitter youtube reddit all of those places i think
0: (laughs) (laughs) and then uh join us next week when we'll be experts on two whole new topics podcast Podcast adjourned. adjourned and now for a note about our process I read a bunch of stuff, then regurgitate it all back up in my very limited vocabulary.
1: And I copy and paste from the best sources on the web, and sometimes Wikipedia.
0: So we owe a huge thank you to the real experts. For this episode, I got my info from A Hoax Most Cruel by Andrew Wolfson for The Courier Journal, as well as a ton of other articles by Andrew Wolfson for The Courier Journal, msnbc abc news wikipedia and findlaw.com
1: and i got my info from an episode of forensic files the phoenix new times the new york times the desert news and cbs news
0: for a full list of our sources visit lgtcpodcast.com
1: any errors are of course ours but please don't take our word for it go read their stuff